full extension upward and then like full speed downward just slapped himself in the balls. (laughs) Hello, I'm Mark. I'm Justin. We're the J-Pops. And we are attempting parenting in Japan. Welcome to episode 32. Today, we're going to be talking about spit up and not much else. We don't really have a lot to do today, so we're just going to do some updates and then just hang out. We're carefree today. Yeah. I will kick off with a little Nico update. He's four months old, of course. And um, I had what was my first real solo day with him. And I know you've had this before with um, Coda when your wife was sick and had to go to the the clinic. Mm -hmm. But this was my first real like... I don't know. It wasn't a full day, but it was certainly like 12 hours straight. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And my wife was out of town, so she was inaccessible. She went down to Osaka because we're trying to get a trip to the U.S. together and she wanted to get a special type of visa uh, Mm. to stay there. So she had to go to the U.S. consulate and um, she had to leave at about 445 in the morning. So here's the play by play. 445 in the morning until 1030. He was asleep. No big deal. So it was really easy. <laughs> and then he got up and I fed him because, you know, you have to like he'll be hungry as soon as he gets up, then bathed him, then gave him another little feeding. And then we ran a couple of errands, came back home. And uh, then by that time, my wife was just about back. So no big deal. It went off without a hitch. It was really easy. That's good to hear. I will say it's um it's interesting because you're on call the whole time, but On the other hand, you don't have to discuss anything with your spouse. You know, there's a lot of negotiating that goes on. Mm. You've got to think like, okay, I think he's hungry. Are you free to feed him? Am I free to feed him? Should we use a bottle? Do you want to do breast milk? Like you have to figure it all out every time. But with her gone, it was like we were just in triage mode where it's like, okay, I just got to do what I can do. So it seems (laughs) like the solution was very clear every time. And it was a good exercise for one day. And I also felt like, like, okay, well, there's only one solution to this now. I'll just go for it. Mm. That felt really clear to me. But um, yeah, by the end of a full day, you're kind of wanting a break for sure. So there were upsides and downsides to that experience. Yeah. Yeah. It is good to have both people around to kind of balance out. But um, how about old Coda? What's his update? Well, Coda is 12 weeks now, um, as of yesterday, Thursday. And uh, I really don't have anything to report. This week was pretty uneventful for anything going on. He's just doing great. Every day is like he's super happy. He plays a lot. He's really doing really good with tummy time. And yeah. I, uh, yeah, that's, that's all very positive stuff. That's good to hear. And it, that you do get into that mode with the newborn baby that they settle into, you know, their habits, you settle into your routines and then it's just about sort of gaining weight and watching them incrementally get skills, you know, like use their hands a bit more, make a bit more eye contact, get more talkative. And it's, um, yeah. it's kind of a, a slow march or it's kind of a slow progression. It's really fun to watch, but, um, it's just like solid progress day after day. It is interesting to, to see when something clicks in him and mm-hmm. suddenly he's you can tell like he realizes there's a new thing and he's like, oh, I like this thing. I'm going to look at this for a while. <laughs> yeah, I got him. I got him this. Uh, it's like a really malleable ball. I, I mean, I loosely call it a ball. It's more just like a round shape 
with tons mm-hmm. of holes in it and he can like grab onto it. He really likes this thing because it like it all he has to do is like hook one finger around it and then he can swing this thing mm. with his, his arms flapping around and he'll like hit himself in the face and hit himself all over and he just has a great time with it. This puts me in mind of embarrassing baby story. You know, we usually don't, I think, outright embarrass our children, but this might be one of those times. Nice. Uh, but we've talked about how Coda will swing his arms wildly in all directions. He's been doing that for a month or two months mm-hmm. now. He was born yeah. <laughs> his arms all around at the shoulder. Yep. Uh, our son is more uh, like contemplative and he's happy to just look around <laughs> and mm. just stare intently at things. But in this last week, he really started waving his arms from the shoulder and getting a full <laughs> haymaker, you know, up and down. Oh, nice. And uh, one time, I think I was changing his diaper and full extension upward and then like full speed downward, just slapped himself in the balls. (laughs) (laughs) And it was very funny to me uh, just to see somebody, I mean, just to catch them square, just boom. I don't know. You don't see it. Poor dude. Yeah. But he didn't phase him at all. And I don't know if like this is something that would be interesting to read up on kind of, but testicle pain in infant babies, I guess it exists. <laughs> I don't know, but um, he it didn't phase him. And maybe he didn't make as much contact as I thought he made. Um, he does just mm. have a little baby's hand. So maybe it wasn't delivering the full force of a man's maybe. fist, but uh, yeah. So anyway, that was, that cracked me up. You know, usually people don't remember their firsts for stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. But now you've recorded it for him. <laughs> documented it. Four months and a few days, he slapped himself in the balls nice. at full speed. I mean, just with everything he had. But he was giggly and just fine afterward. Well, that's um, good. Didn't even get concerned eyebrows or anything. <laughs> no lip quiver, uh, which is what I do. I, I do have kind of an intricate story from this week. And... You have to follow a few moving parts in like U.S. regulation of citizens abroad for this story to to really make sense. Uh, On our big solo day, so my wife was out of town, and one of the things that was on my agenda was to set up a bank account for the boy. In Japan, a Mm. baby will get a lot of envelopes at his birth, and then he'll wind up with you know a little stack of cash from that birthday money. And uh, mm. we thought, hey, might as well just set up a bank account for him. There's no age limit. It's easy to do, and he'll need it eventually. So I'll just get him a bank account and yeah. put this money away in it. And uh, I went down to the bank to do it. And mind, this is by myself. I mean, yeah, I was going to say, you did this solo? Yeah. Uh, it was brave. Yeah. It, it was um, <laughs> maybe too big or maybe a bit bitten off more than I could chew. But um, I went down to try and set this thing up. I got down there and first of all, it, you know, I filled out a form or gave them some IDs or whatever. And then they went to the back and then they came back later and they said, do you have his insurance card? Like his health insurance card. Hmm. And I said, no, I don't have it on me. And I think my wife actually had it in her wallet Hmm. and taking it to Osaka. And they said, is his insurance card the same color as your insurance card? It's like, I don't know what we're talking about anymore, man. And what does health insurance have to come into this? And I still don't understand what they were driving at, but I did understand that they wanted to know, like, does he have a certain type of insurance card that's like yours or is it a different type? And um, I didn't know. 
And uh, eventually I realized, okay, my wife can take a picture if all they need to see is the face of his insurance card. So she took a sure. picture and sent it to me. And um, I uh, showed that to them and that seemed to satisfy them. And they went back behind the scenes again. We were waiting again. And meanwhile, this is like an hour has passed. You know, oh it's a God. lot of confusing back and forth. A lot of questions are asked. They send some staff out to ask me things. They go back and finally they come back and they're asking me, does he have a social security number? And oh. yeah, I didn't realize it at the time. I should have put all this together. But U.S. citizens, because of a rule in America called FATCA, it's a law that was passed yeah. now, maybe a decade ago, F-A-T-C-A. That law in the United States means that if you open up a bank account in any foreign country, that financial institution is on the hook to report to the United States government that mm. you, a citizen of the United States, has opened a bank account in their country at their bank. Right. And uh, it's just nonsense. It's just like massive, ridiculous overreach by the U.S. government. And it's very hypocritical the way they go about it. And it's like the yeah. more you read about FATCA, the more like enraging it is. And it's designed to catch people who are like multimillionaires hiding money in offshore bank accounts. But those people know how to get around it. So it yeah. ends up only affecting people who it's not designed to catch in the first place. And it's just absolute nonsense. It's a ridiculous <laughs> hurdle. So, but tell anyway, us how you really feel. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> ludicrous. And this is why I wish, actually, since I'm on a tangent, there needs to be uh, an overseas constituency of voters for the United States. You know, like now I vote oh, in Kentucky. Right. But, and do you vote in Washington? Yeah. You get your absentee ballot for Washington state. I get it for Kentucky state. But what do I know about Kentucky? And I'm not paying them taxes. And I don't know about the day to day in Kentucky, but somehow I'm voting on like local property valuation administrators in my hometown. And I don't know their yeah. name. And I'll never own property there. And commissioner so 47 of so-and-so district. <laughs> yeah. And it's absolute ridiculousness that I'm voting on these things. So what they need to do is make like an overseas jurisdiction where like uh, there would be two extra senators in the Senate. So Senate would go from 100 to 102. Those two senators would represent everyone who doesn't live in the United States. Isn't that a great mm. idea? That would be like a wonderful thing because then I think all of us, like my issues and your issues with the government are more similar than like my issues and somebody living in Kentucky or your issues and somebody living in Washington state, right? So hmm. if you could mass us together as an overseas constituency and give us two senators and probably seven or eight, depending on our population, like representatives, then take us out of our voting pools in our states. I think this would be a really nice fix for the government. I wonder if this was actually a thing. I wonder how many Americans abroad would actually continue to vote because then it might be more like... There might be more registration. They can't like dodge financial aid payments like they're planning to and all this <laughs> and other stuff to avoid kind of the American system. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you would feel that you're getting more direct representation, though, because those senators would have to appeal to foreigners living abroad, basically. Mm. And, they would, you know, run on like campaign promises of this or that for representation for us as expatriates. But, and we do have like, I mean, probably me and you especially, but then like uh, you and somebody in France who's American, you might have similar issues because you're both dealing with things like FATCA, 
which is hassling you when you're trying to make a bank account or something. Mm. So then I think you would get better representation if you had, say, seven or eight uh, representatives and two senators. Then it would also pull us out of our states where we have nothing to do with the daily life there. So it would help those people better represent themselves because we wouldn't be awkwardly diluting their pool slightly, you know? Mm. It's a win-win for sure. And certain countries do this, like France and Mozambique. Mm. The last I heard, like uh, Mozambique does it with like, if you live out of Mozambique, but somewhere in Africa, and then if you live out of Mozambique, but somewhere else in the world that's not Africa, then they have mm. representatives for those two things. And I think France has like six jurisdictions around the world. So if you're like a French citizen in North America, you have a certain representative or something. Mm. Interesting. I would love that kind of thing to catch on in the United States. But I digress. Yeah, I think it'd be a pretty cool system. Yeah, I would be way in favor of it. And then I think that's how a lot of these stupid rules like FATCA like trickle down and adversely affect people like us because mm. the Kentucky state senator doesn't care about the tiny fraction of a percent of his population that lives outside of Kentucky nor does the Washington state senator and so on and so forth. But if we all got together and had somebody to give speeches directly on our behalf, and there are millions of us, by the way, we would be like the, I don't know, like the 35th or 30th largest collection of people if ranked among the states, you know? So um, it has legs and it has merit and it has precedence and, you know, other countries, but it would probably take an act of Congress. So, you know, better luck next time. It's not going to happen. Anyhow. So without that, you know, fat has come to us and um, I was at the bank. So I've got a Japanese boy on my hands and we've got Japanese yen and we're in Japan and he wants to make a Japanese bank account. And they're like, what's his U.S. Social Security number? Yeah, I was like, well, he doesn't have one yet because we haven't applied for that. And they were like, Ooh. <laughs> you know, this is going to be hard. And so they went back and they're making phone calls and all this sort of stuff. And then. I realized, well, it's just not going to work out. They're discovering all this stuff now and trying to sort it out for themselves. But I feel like I understand, you know, because I've dealt with it for a long time. I know that this bank account is just not going to happen. So after about an hour, just gave up on it. You just walk out. (laughs) Just suddenly leave. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) I I told him, hey, don't worry about it. Don't work yourselves to death over this in not so many words. Uh, It's okay. Just forget about it. Let's go. You're Um, just like, Shogunai, see ya. (laughs) And I told him, literally, we can do this next year. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, So about an hour spent and then nothing happened, but whatever. The other thing that kind of twists the knife on all this is the reason he doesn't have a social security number. I want to get one. It's just that I have to send in his passport to the embassy and I have to send my passport to the embassy to get his social security number. At least I don't have to travel there, but still I have to send in those passports and we're trying to take a trip to the United States. So if those passports got delayed somehow or lost in the mix, or if the waiting period suddenly stretched out for some unforeseen, like, you know, bureaucratic red tape reason, then it would cancel my entire trip to the United States and I just don't want to risk it. So mm. it's hard to say exactly how long you have to wait for a social security number once you apply for it with the U.S., Uh, Some people, it just takes a couple of weeks, but then I was looking on their website and in Mm. the FAQ, they were saying one of the questions was, um, Hey, what happens if I've been waiting for my social security card for six months and it hasn't arrived? (laughs) And so I was like, if they're prepping me in that FAQ to like, Oh, don't worry if it takes six months, then I'm not even going to go down that road, you know, 
being passportless for six months, that would totally shoot my chances of taking the trip home. I was really surprised that when you apply for the whole like consular report of birth and the passport, the social security number is not included in that mix. Yeah. Like, why isn't that one whole process? They already have all of your paperwork. They they just made his passport. Just keep it. Exactly. It doesn't make any sense. I have to send this back to the embassy I just got it from. Yeah, I'll fill out one more sheet of paper and hand that to you at the same time. And then you do the steps for me, you know? Yeah. They're requiring like my passport and his passport, which they have seen when you get the consular report. Yeah, you have to bring yours anyway. Yeah. So anyway, if we had some type of international representative, then this is the type of thing that they could look Mm. in. All right. You're selling me on it. You're selling me on it. Anyhow, it's because... The U.S. government can't promise me a Social Security card in under six months is the reason that I haven't applied for the Social Security number. And it's because the U.S. government passed FATCA is the reason that the bank in Japan won't give my Japanese boy, my Japanese citizen boy, a bank account because I I Mm. can't get a Social Security card. So it was just like a America. I wonder if that is that a new thing that maybe trickle down to like like the banks here because like I opened my bank account by myself here uh I think 2016 or 2017 mm-hmm. and I do not remember giving them my social security but I moved and they had update my address and stuff for when I moved out here we filled out all the paperwork they did everything then they called us back cuz they forgot to get my social security number so mm-hmm. we had to go back again and give it but I don't remember ever giving it before. So somebody messed up in that process. Yeah, I bet they just went through the standard um, forms and procedures to get your bank account established. And then they realized, yeah. oh, the U.S. government actually wants us to do this extra thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it sounds like kind of a mess up. But I think FAC has been around for a decade now. Hmm. So it's it definitely should have been part of the deal. But anyway, it was just it's so weird to have. Again, it's, you know, Japanese citizen at a Japanese bank and they're like, sorry. And the reason that they can't do it is because of this like onerous, hypocritical, needless red tape bureaucracy stuff. Do you think that would have happened to Ayumi? That's a good question. So in the backs of our mind, we're thinking if we try this again and Ayumi goes with him, then it might just go off without a hitch. They might never ask the question. Right. And in that case, the U.S. government would never know that he should have filled it out because no one ever asked if he's American. And right. um, then, you know, just like what nobody knows won't hurt them and it won't like activate any yeah sort of repercussion. So uh, it, possibly, but his last name is a big Katakana mess. You know? uh, that's true. <laughs> so then they might look at that and be like, what's his nationality? And then it's the question of, do you want to outright lie about it or not? And Mm. uh, if you just answer honestly, then you would be stuck in the same loop. Yeah. So I think bank account will have to wait until next year. And uh, all thanks to old Uncle Sammy. He's uh, made it hard on us again. Merka. Yeah. If you want to get your blood boiling, go look at the FATCA. It's a lot of fun. That's all right. Anyhow, uh, I think we can roll on into segment time. Bring it on. So we had a spit up catastrophe at the house a few days ago. Hmm. Nico doesn't spit up that much. He, um, you know, just a little bit here and there. It's not even a big deal. 
But um, this was a couple of mornings ago. Ayumi was feeding him on the sofa. And after he finished eating, she said it was like five full volume hurls of spit wow. out. <laughs> <laughs> All of the milk. <laughs> and I swear to you, it was every layer of every clothing item that my wife was wearing <laughs> saturated with spit up every layer of all of it. It was a full wardrobe change top to bottom, like shower scenario That's and it was on the sofa cushion and it was down the side of the sofa cushion, <laughs> like between the armrest and the sofa cushion. It got everything. It got on the boppy, you know, the little curved cushion. Yeah. yeah it was everywhere. Wow. And, um, that was as easily as big as spit up by a mile. There's not even a second place spit up. It was just that one off. I've never seen anything that big here. Yeah, really? <laughs> well, and he was happy right after. It wasn't like he's, you know, fallen ill and he's like battling a fever and become sick or something. It was just like, you know, after he's finished, <laughs> he's happy again. So it was no trouble, no big deal at all. And um, nice. we went on with our lives. You know, we did a feverish round of laundry. Yeah, I bet. It was no big deal. So that got me interested in spit up and kind of looking it up a little bit. Hmm. So as ever, I'm referring back here to what to expect the first year, the completely revised and updated third edition by one Heidi Murkoff. And on page 197, there's a section called spitting up. And it says that um, there's an interesting little paragraph here that I'll read. It says doctors are fond of saying that spit up is a laundry problem, not a health problem. And I, that's been my experience too. It doesn't seem to be, you know, it's like yeah. nothing's wrong. They just spit up. Yeah. Most babies spit up at least occasionally and many spit up with every feeding. The reason for this malodorous mayhem, newborns have an immature sphincter between the esophagus and stomach, which allows food to mm. back up even more easily since they spend most of their time lying flat on their backs or semi-reclining. They also mm. have excess mucus and saliva that needs to be cleared. And up and out is the most effective way for an infant to ship that goop out. Often they spit up because they eat too much or because they're getting too many air bubbles with their milk. Later, teething babies often gag and spit up thanks to all the drool they're producing. So it's not necessarily just a milk thing, but it's like milk and mucus and saliva and they're drooly right. anyway. And they're also not controlling the amount of food that they get. It could be the parents like have overfilled the bottle and, you know, keep yeah. sort of putting it back in the kid's mouth and he can't give up on it or communicate that to you. Mm. So there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And he's also got his um, immature sphincter, which <laughs> is a hilarious phrase to me. So they're going to spit up, but there are ways that you can mitigate the frequency of spit ups. And these are in bullet points here. One is keep bubbles at bay by minimizing air gulping during mealtimes. Don't mm. feed her when she's crying and try to calm her down before feeds. So um, if the kid's going wild, probably going to get more air in the system and then that could lead to more spitting up. Right. Next, put gravity in your corner. By feeding her with her upper body elevated as upright as is comfortably possible. So maybe mm. not light on their back, but with a little little incline. Right. Next, it says tilt bottles so that the liquid, not air, feels the teat or nipple, I should say. Or use bottles that don't allow air to enter the teat, which I think you use a curved bottle for that purpose, right? Yeah, we use one of those beta that kind of naturally forces everything down into the nipple. Yeah, those are handy. 
And they actually recommend that you feed the kids almost like sitting upright, mm-hmm. even from like a really young age. Oh, yeah. So even pretty young. Maybe that's why he never spits up that much. Yeah. Because we always feed him like at minimum like a 45 degree angle. Oh, that's nice. We give our boy a little bit of an incline, but it's, you know, probably more like 20 degree angle or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know if maybe that played into the, the incident. Mm. I should say, though, that's just bottle, not breastfeeding. Ah, uh, That makes sense. The next bit of advice says avoid bouncing her around while she's eating or just afterward. You'll be less likely to bring up the works if you keep her relatively still. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one says break for burps often enough, at least once halfway through her feedings. If you wait until the end, one big bubble can open up the floodgates. If she's mm-hmm. a slow eater or seems fussier than usual, break more frequently. And this, uh, I thought there was a little bit of baby wisdom that we stumbled upon. Um, there's a separate problem, which is that a kid will drink milk and then become sleepy while drinking almost immediately. And mm. you need the kid to be drinking for like half an hour, but then the kid's basically asleep within 10 minutes or something. So right. uh, at taking a break to burp, you know, just sit them up, hit them on the back a bit, and then that jostles them awake, and then they'll go back to feeding more. Another trick that my wife uh, came across was do a diaper change when you're switching the breast. So you do 10 or 15 on one breast, then change mm-hmm. the diaper in the middle, and all that commotion wakes them up again. So I guess another little um, another little interruption could be multiple burpings. Nice. The final tip, it says uh, keep her upright as much as possible after meals. So when they finish, mm. you know, oftentimes they'll be asleep anyway, so you just have to kind of lay them there. But if you can get them upright after a meal, it reduces the chances. I found it's easiest if I have Coda like burp him and then he just like falls asleep on my chest because then he's pretty much upright then and I'll usually just put like something on Netflix or something. <laughs> yeah, that's the way to go. Get some like well-earned Netflix time. Yeah. So there's one thing that can be a bit of trouble though, and it's something beyond spitting up. Uh, it's something called Gord, G-O-R-D, Gord, like a Canadian hockey player. Oh, Gordy. Go, Gordy. So Gord is an actual condition, and we can talk about that in just a second. But some things to watch for with spitting up, like that you'll know it's actually a problem. It says um, if the spitting up is accompanied by prolonged gagging and coughing, or if your kid has like poor weight gain, um, if they're Mm. at the low end of whatever the range is, then uh, it could be, you know, and they're also spitting up routinely. That might be part of the problem. Uh, If the spit up is anything other than white, so um, if it's like brown or green, or if it's projectile, that's another deeper issue that's not necessarily Hmm. just spitting up. And it says all of these are, you know, could indicate a medical problem. So it's not something you should do other than just call the doctor and get it sorted out that way. There's no like simple tip or trick to help out with that. But I did want to read about... Good old gourd, um, because I'd never heard of it before, but it stands for gastroesophageal reflux disease. And I learned that gore, G-O-R, without the D on the end, without the disease, that's just the fancy medical term for spit up. It's gastroesophageal reflux. Hmm. Spit up. But if you put a D at the end, it's a disease and it's actually something that's a bit more pathological and you have to sort it out. And that's another thing, I guess, at the end of the day, you know, we don't have any experience with it, but it is something that uh, you would want to get medical attention for. 
And um, it's basically just that, uh, again, it's that connection between the esophagus and the stomach is mm. not functioning properly, but it's not just a like immature sphincter. And it's not just that the, you know, the balance of mucus isn't correct. It's that it's so far gone that it's actually a medical issue. And right. um, there are some, tri- uh, some tips and tricks to deal with it. Uh, but ultimately if the kid has gone off the deep end and suffers from gourd, it's more something you should consult with a doctor about. That's what I learned about spit up. And I think that brings us to my question for you is I'm ready. Uh, my question for you is, do you have any nicknames around the house for your son? Dude, so many. Uh, I think the go-to nickname is kind of like Buddy. Uh-huh. I'll call him like Dude. I'll call him Little Man, Sweetie, Cutie. I don't know, man. Just all of, all of them. <laughs> they all come pretty I, naturally. I almost rarely ever say Coda. I have to actually think about it a lot to say like, <laughs> How you doing, Coda? Instead of being something else, because I want him to get used to his own name. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, I guess I throw around Nico quite a bit, but um, we go through. I mean, all the standard names that you're talking about, like um, a lot of them that seem too cutesy, actually just roll off the tongue when you're confronted with a cute baby. Like, yeah, um, cutie patootie, sweetie pie, <laughs> sweet pea, uh, and then what's the one? Uh, cutie pie, sweet little cutie pie. I think mm. there's something about the sing-song nature of it, and especially if my wife or my wife's mother calls him that, he seems to really like it and giggle. Oh, and nice. They play it up, but Sweet Little Cutie Pie is one of the classics. But <laughs> um, I thought a funny name for him, I, I wanted him to have like a funny last name that reflects him, you know, like to reflect his, mm. his station in life. And I thought it would be funny if there was a last name Babyson. <laughs> because <laughs> he's a baby son so sometimes i call him nico babyson and uh then you know that really rolls off the tongue better with the middle initial so i went with p so then he became nico p babyson and uh then nico p really caught on around the house as a nickname so now we call him nico p like maybe more often than we call him nico that's going to stick. That's going to be his junior high nickname. Yeah. Yeah. Nikopi, Nikopi. And it sounds excessively cute. I think it's like a sequence of very cute Japanese sounds or something. I was asking Moe's mom like a week or two ago, if there were any nicknames in Japanese that people say to their kids. And she was telling me they have none. It's either like Akachan or the name of the kid. Mm. Like they just don't do nicknames at all. Interesting. There must be something floating around like, a, I mean... In English, it's just unlimited. Like, yeah, it's anything. any variation on cutie or sweetie or all types yeah. of little pumpkin, any kind of food, any kind of animal. Yeah, depending on their mood, you little demon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In the bath, I call him a slippery devil. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, anything goes. Keep them all in your back pocket, use them all freely, uh, but eventually use your kid's name so that he'll learn what it is. And I think it's time for Japanese of the Day. Bring it on. So Japanese of the day, this relates back to the banking story when we had been there for an hour and I suddenly realized this is going nowhere, but I don't think that their customer service instinct will let them give up on me. And Hmm. 
also they're probably wading through all this American regulation for the first time and calling their boss and their boss's boss and not really understanding it and just trying to figure it all out. And I began to sense that at the end of this, we're not going to get a bank account. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, how can I tell these people just to stop and that it's okay (laughs) because everybody's invested like an hour's worth of effort into this and it's going to take another 30 minutes for them to finally tell me it's not going to happen. So I thought I just need to get out of this somehow. And the Japanese word that I like, this is my limited, like sort of basic knowledge, but the verb akirameru means to give up and Mm -hmm. just to stop doing it, whatever. Yeah. So akirameru. And then I was thinking, okay, I can make that a noun by saying akirameru no. And then I thought, and it's okay. So then I tack a, Daijobu desu at the end of it. <laughs> I, you know, sometimes in Japanese it's about just starting the sentence and then mm. you don't have to finish it. Like um, a lot of times in Japanese, you'll have some sentence that ends with like something, something, something deskedo, which is meant to like lead into the next sentence, but you don't have to say the next sentence. It's mm. just like the person understands that you're saying, like, uh, you know, I want to try this, but, and then they know what to do. So um, I uh, I said Akira Medu, and then the staff just jumped on it. The woman I was working with, and she completed the rest of my sentence, which mm. uh, grammatically, but not natively or fluently, it would be something like Akira Medu no de daijoubu Or if you yourself want to give up on something, Akira um, mm. But it was like my ripcord or like pulling the lever for the ejection seat on this whole thing. And uh, I was sitting there in the waiting room trying to rack my brain of like, how can I just get out of this? I just want everybody to stop what they're doing and just <laughs> abandon ship and pretend I never showed up here. So Akira Meru was the key that unlocked that situation for me. In a, mm. Again, it's not like a perfectly fluent thing, but just the, the verb to give up is very useful. And, I think that it's particularly useful for people like us because we're in a unique situation oftentimes where there's not a solution built into the sort of Japanese bureaucratic system you're trying to operate Mm. within. And then you realize, you know what, it's easier if I just back off this whole thing because it's not going to play out how I want it to. Yeah, this is the first time I'm hearing this word, actually. I feel like it would have been really useful early Mm. on in my days to understand like, okay, I, I... I need to know this because I really just need to give up on some of the some yeah. of this stuff. <laughs> yeah, it should come along with daijobu. Like, yeah, that's the first one you learn, and then akirameru is the second one you should learn. <laughs> it does uh, it gets you out of a lot? And I mean, sometimes a lot of it for me, it may not, uh, it might not be as bad for you, but for me, I have a really long last name, and in romanji or in katakana, it's just long, no matter how you do it. And then we'll run into situations where the computer system that we need to be registered in does not accommodate the number of letters in my name. And yeah. so whether it's at the city office or if it's like at some other business and they're just trying to like print a card for me, like a membership card or something, then you'll see a huddle of like eight employees and yeah. they're doing like unsanctioned paperwork behind the scenes. <laughs> like, how are we going to get this guy in? And there have been literally times when I've been denied like basic like very simple light public services, but that should be available to me simply because my name won't fit into the system. And um, so like, it's a combination of being foreign, not being able to explain yourself properly, having a crazy name that doesn't fit in, 
uh, having like a nationality that's different. All these things lead to basically gridlock with the system sometimes. And mm. then a kirameru in various conjugations or sentences will get you out of it. If you just have to back away or if you realize I'm barking up the wrong tree here, everybody abandon ship. I'm just going to go a different route with this thing. Yeah, I have that issue with my middle name. Oh, yeah. It's Benjamin. And it never fits because because they put the first and middle name together. Uh-huh. And so suddenly you have this really long Mark Benja and it just stops on every paperwork. <laughs> yeah, I've got um, I, the funny thing about that for people who don't live in Japan is Japan is obviously a last name first or I should say family name first society. Right. Mm-hmm. And then your given name comes second. And then there is no middle name in Japan. There's no like third no. name. But in English, we do have it. So they tack it on at the end because it's like this extra random name. So that Mm. means it's last name first, first name second, second name third, you know, is how it ends up shaking out. And um, that's just it's madness. It's never going to be the same way twice on two different forms. And sometimes it's in the English alphabet. Sometimes it's in katakana. And sometimes you're like these things need to match if you're doing something quite Mm. important or getting issued a card for something. It's like, well, how did they issue it at the city office? What does it say on your passport? And like all these things need to line up and it's a very difficult needle to thread sometimes. On the other hand, I wouldn't say that Japan needs to get on board and like update your systems for my alphabet, you know, because at the end of the day, there are many, many alphabets. So if I made that demand, I would also need to say like, yeah, and you better get Russian in there and you better get Swahili. And what about Greek? And you have to handle everything. Oh, no, I'm not saying they need to do all that. I just mean like up your character limit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just give us your spaces. Jeez. Um, I compared it once in something I was working on to like, you know, the average Japanese family name is like two characters. Right. You can have a, one character that's quite common. Two characters is very common. Three characters getting a bit long. And then I've heard rumors that it goes up to six. That there oh, are some names that are six characters. I've never seen one in like the thousands and thousands of like, you know, students I've had over the years or whatever. So hmm. I don't think that might be kind of a unicorn, but like generally one, two or three characters. That's the only, that's the longest name you'll see. My hmm. last name has 12 characters. So <laughs> imagine like. I was saying, like, imagine the average NBA player is like six six, and it's like some mm. suddenly you have a guy in your team who's thirty feet tall. It's like <laughs> the game doesn't work anymore because there's a guy and the goal comes up to his knee, and like I don't think we can play this anymore. It just doesn't make any sense. So yeah, sometimes things fall apart in the face yeah. of a crazy last name. That's how it goes. Akirameru, Akiramemas. Just give up, man. Ready to do some dad jokes? Yes, sir. Let's launch into them. How many dad jokes are you bringing today? Uh, I could do two, I think. Yeah, I got two here. All right. I've got two. How about you kick it off, man? What do you call an army of babies? Mm, What do you call an army of babies? Uh, Infantry. God damn it. The infantry. (laughs) Nice. Well done. Well done. Right on the precipice there, but I pulled it out. Uh, this one says, I heard this one when I was about uh, 12 or 13 years old, and it was very funny at the time, and it just sprang into my mind. It says, what do you get when you cross an elephant and a rhinoceros? I don't know. 
Ella Farino. <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense. It sounds like something that makes sense, I guess. <laughs> that's a that's a good one for kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tantalized by the proximity to a curse word. That's what made me like it. What did the cupcake say to the frosting? Um, what did Kevin Durant say to the frosting? Let me think about this. Sorry. <laughs> a little NBA slam. I had to sneak it in. Uh, what did the cupcake say to the frosting? God, I can only think of things that involve cream and it feels a little ribbled. Um, I don't space. know. <laughs> I don't know. What, what did the cupcake say to the frosting? I'd be muffin without you. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. uh, last one here what's the difference between a hippo and a zippo <laughs> one's really heavy and the other's a little lighter uh. <laughs> that's kind of precious yeah okay that's great <laughs> <laughs> that'll do it hey eh? i think so Thank you for listening. We hope this week's episode was informative and interesting. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us either on Twitter at jpopspodcast or by email at info at We'll talk to you next time. It's spit up time. <laughs>